Hi, everybody. It's your pal, Jay Stone. And we're back with another episode of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine chat show. Uh, and I just wanted to take a minute before we bring you the episode to say thank you to each and every one of you that have listened to even one episode of Both Laugh over the last, well, couple years now. Uh, this is episode 49. And whether this is your first episode or your 49th episode uh, or somewhere in between, just wanted to say thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, we're not sure if this is the last episode of 2021 yet, but if it is, it's a pretty high note to go out on. Uh, you have heard this guy play drums probably every day for the last 30 years, whether you realize it or not, because he's played on something in the area of 400 different albums. Look through your catalog, see who plays drums on an album, and it's probably the one and only Josh Freeze. Uh, you've seen him on everything from Guns N' Roses, Nine Inch Nails, The Perfect Circle, Sting, Kelly Clarkson, Avril Lavigne, Sublime. Uh, he's played on all of the records in your collection if you've listened to rock music in the last 30 years. Uh, and he is a one-of-a-kind individual. If you have followed him on social media, you know that. If you've gotten to know him at all personally, you know that. Some of us that are in the punk rock scene, uh, for as many accolades as he has, still know him as Josh from the Vandals, because he's been the drummer for the Vandals, the iconic Southern California punk band for the last 30 years. Um, this is a real treat of a conversation. Uh, I will warn you in advance that there are a couple of audio hiccups. Our uh, Whether it was my Wi-Fi or his Wi-Fi or Somewhere in between, there were a couple of gremlins that got in there. I tried to edit them out as best as I could, uh, but there's still a couple of hiccups in there with connections. But I think you'll get the idea. You'll realize that Josh is not, in fact, a robot, although uh, his connection sounded like that once or twice. Uh, but this was a really fun conversation for me. Uh, I've wanted to talk to Josh for a long time. We have a bunch of mutual acquaintances. Uh, he's got the utmost respect from me for his entire professional career. I also got to geek out on my love of Pearl Jam, which some of you know and roll your eyes at. Uh, but Josh and Stone Gossard are very good friends. Uh, so this was uh, maybe a little self-indulgent, but we talked about that for quite a while. But anyway, uh, after the intro music, here comes episode 49 of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. She said recording in progress, so that means that it is time for another episode of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. We are up to episode 49, uh, and to say that this episode is um, exciting for me is putting it mildly. Uh, I've been a fan of this guy for a long time through a variety of different projects. Um, I would say he needs no introduction, because if I did the full introduction of all the bands that you might have heard him with, uh, it would take a full hour, probably. So... Uh, without any further ado, Mr. Josh Freeze, thank you for joining us. All right. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Before yeah. we finally worked it out, I apologize. I've been, you know, we've, we've been wanting to hook up and do this for a while. So I'm glad it's finally, finally going down. With somebody who's got a, a history as long and varied as yours, it's tough to pick a real starting point for a discussion, except that I feel like 
uh, the way that I've been starting a lot of these episodes, because this show really only started during quarantine for lack of uh, anything else to do. Um, but the way that I've started most episodes is to talk to people about what 2020 and now 2021 would have looked like if the world hadn't stopped for a while there. Like, what did you have lined up um, prior to the world shutting down? What is now close to two years ago? Right. Well, 2020 had a, well, I was in the middle of when, when I really got word that, oh, wow, uh, some things are going to start getting canceled was, uh, was I was rehearsing with Danny Elfman getting ready to play Coachella 2020 with him. And I was really excited. I kind of like sliced this time aside for him because I was a, uh, really busy playing with sting which is i jokingly refer to as my day job that's kind of like <laughs> what i've been doing full time for a while now and i've worked in the modern office since 2005 but really like i took a, a long break between 2006 and the end of 2016 <clears throat> since the end of 2016 i've been with them full time again but anyways my point is i was able to manage to get like a month of time off from sting stuff and i had talked to Danny, who I've worked with over the years, never a ton, but uh, a bit here and there, and uh, and he's always been really cool to me, and I've always, you know, I've been on his radar for a long time. So he was going to do this thing where he played with the. It was going to be called something like a Batman, Boingo, and Beyond, and what it was is going to be a, a band. It's going to be a core band, right? But then also uh, it, like a scale down orchestra and scale down choir, meaning it was going to be pretty large. I mean, I don't know, like. 20 or 30 uh string players and percussionists and stuff and brass players and then maybe uh you know a dozen or two dozen choir it was gonna be a, a pretty big deal and and we were gonna do you know music from his films like you know hand-picked you know pieces throughout his career of stuff from films and some selected songs from his old, old band at Oingo Boingo and then he, he had these two new songs and we can get into the new songs later, but we basically uh, we were rehearsing and it was sounding great. And we were really excited. And, uh, you know, we started getting, you know, these reports of people go, hey, man, did you hear South by Southwest might be getting canceled? And I was like, I'm still going, ah, like, whatever, California, far away, when pandemic's out, you know, where the virus is. And uh, and I also thought to myself, you know what, yeah, South by Southwest, everyone's crammed in these small little clubs, like sardines, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Right. I thought, ah, oh, it's going to be fine. Coachella's out, it's outdoors, lots of space, no problem. And I, I want to say, like, that next night, I was driving home for rehearsal, and I pull up to my house, and I see my phone ring, and it says, you know, Elfman's cell or something like that. And I went, <laughs> why is he coming? You know, and I'm thinking, I know what this. I was like, I know what this call is going to be. And I answered the phone, and he's like, "Well, it's happening." Meaning, and it's not happening. It's it's off. Right. Really, really good, and everyone's getting along great, and really, you know. So that was a bummer. That was a big bummer. And uh, you know, I remember even like the next a couple of days later. You know, this is before we all had to sit inside of our homes. This right. isn't like okay, leave your house and good luck finding toilet paper. It wasn't that <laughs> weird panic moment yet, but it was, it was more like, oh shit, really? Gigs are being canceled. Some gigs, you know, some gigs are being canceled. Wow, okay, but but the world wasn't shutting down quite yet, and so 
it was about four or five days after that, you know, we were getting more, you know, every day we were getting more and more information and okay. at a pre pretty rapid pace. Right. So then I found out, okay, it looks like this is getting bad. And they're like, everyone actually, you know, you got to come up and grab your, grab your gear. I got a drum set set up at Danny studio in Los Angeles. And I'm thinking, you know, they said, we're going to have a little get together with the band. Uh, everyone can grab their gear and like, we'll have lunch and, you know, jokingly like cry, cry on each other's shoulders about Coachella being canceled. <laughs> right. And you know, it's funny. I was so bummed for a minute. I, I did. In the end I went, but for a minute I was like, you know what? I don't even want, I'm so bummed. I don't want to go. Like what I'm going to go. And like, it's just gonna be depressing like i don't right. i don't want to go say bye guys and tear down my drums and like <laughs> that. be all be dramatic about it i was like i was just i was just deflated about the whole situation and I'm like i don't want to i don't want to go i don't want to see anybody you know and uh then i went ah, God, can you stop thinking of yourself and being a big baby so i went and it was fine and we had pizza and uh and the, the good thing that came out of that was that Danny retreated back to his home studio where he didn't get to work a lot. And, you know, for better or worse, his whole, you know, calendar cleared like it did for all of us that do music for a living. And, uh, you know, all the films he was about to start working on, they all came to a halt, you know, and right. uh, all the budgets, you know, stopped, you know, accounts were closed and all that stuff was done and for the foreseeable future. So, He's like, okay, I've got this time to write music, and and actually, he was feeling good. He could he could have gone back to his home studio and been bummed out, and and felt like he wasn't coming up with anything worth uh, recording or making a record about. But he, the songs started flowing for him, and it really became a great uh, outlet for him to be able to write and and work on this record that we ended up recording in, I guess, September of 2020, and it just came out like I don't know four or five or five or six months ago it's called big mess it's a really cool record and uh but anyways i was i, I went on a full danny elfman tangent the thing is is <laughs> you know i was doing coachella with him and then right after that you know i had a little bit of time off and then i started back into like you know the sting machine started back up and i was going to be on tour for most of 2020 on and off but mostly on with sting and i remember it was like in March, right, and Coachella had been canceled. And I remember like being at home, and and my wife saying to me, "Well, I just hope that your tour that starts in June over in Europe with Sting, I hope that's still on, right? Because I, I had all this work disappearing, session work that was happening in LA, and a few like one-off gigs happening in like April, May." But I said, oh, babe, don't worry about it. That's not till like June 10th. Everything will be fine by right, then. Right, right, yeah. That's, that's two months away. Of course, of course I'll be on tour with Sting. Are you crazy? <laughs> that's what I was talking to her. Like, it's so far off. Two and a half months. Come on. Sure enough, you know, here we are. Like, you know, the end of 2021. Things are barely getting back to normal over the last three, four months. But uh, so, yeah, so everything went away. And I, you know, I went holy shit okay well number one i've been really busy for a really really long time so on one hand i was like without getting too panicked about anything i'm gonna try and enjoy being home especially because there's nothing i can really do about it you know right and uh and also you know i i had a studio built in my house god i'd say about 10 years ago and i always refer to it jokingly as the world's most expensive storage unit because <laughs> i like had this studio built i've got all this great gear in it and then i go on tour and i come home my wife's got all the like halloween decoration boxes in there and the kids right. bikes are in there and skateboards i'm like 
because they got no other place to put anything because I took over the garage, right? And I'm going, oh my God, like, so, but the thing is, if I would be home for two weeks, let's say I was on the road for a while, right? And I come home, let's say I've got two, three weeks off and then I leave for another month. And there's two, three weeks, especially if I've been gone and I'm about to leave again, I don't like come home and the next day go, okay, got to go back in the studio and start recording now. It's like, I, because I have four children, I make myself and they make me <laughs> take some time off and actually- sure the two weeks home that are off are kind of off. Like maybe if I get a real important recording session that someone hires me for, I'll do it. But I'm not just going back there to try and do session work for people or try and write music for the heck of it. It's like, I kind of really spend the time with my family and doing, you know, personal stuff and domestic crap and then go back out on the road. So meaning I've gotten to use my studio a little bit, but I've never had, I've always kind of bitched and moaned about not having the time to use it because it's, it's a funny kind of uh, double-edged thing where I go, man, I wish I had time to use my studio. And then I think, well, okay, the reason why you don't have time, Josh, to use your studio is you're too busy right. out in the real world recording at world-class recording studios and flying around the world doing gigs. So it's like, that's a good thing you don't have time to do it. And exactly. Then, so, right? It's like, and then when I got all the time in the world, at first I'm like, oh, I'm panicked. I go, you know what? You can enjoy having this time. You've always wanted time to really kind of figure out how to use this damn thing. Meaning like really experiment around with getting great drum sounds, uh, you know, doing remote session work for people via the internet where they, you know, they can email you the Pro Tools files on a WeTransfer or Dropbox link and you do the session work. I mean, Sting's new record that just came out, Half the songs recorded in my garage here in oh, Long wow. Beach, and I and he'd upload them to a castle somewhere. And they, <laughs> they, you know, I'm knocking them out in Long Beach. And he's mixing it like in the Bahamas, yeah, New yeah. York, and London. And uh, but you know, and the drums sound fucking great. And I'm I'm really proud of the fact that you know, I was like, shit, this is cool that we were able to do it like this. And I kind of without without really uh broadcasting too much about it. Just I've got a few friends that knew that I had a home studio, so. Yeah, I'd have producers and musician friends call me going, hey, you've got a setup, right, Josh? Like, I could send you some files and you you could play on something if I Venmo you a little money. So next thing you know, I'm doing session work for people and I'm not having to find the keys to my car or my shoes. I can just walk in the backyard and kind of go at it, you know? It's um, sort of surprising to me that you had never really done that before because you've been such an in-demand session person. But I guess that's because you're so in-demand that they uh, will bring you to quote unquote real studios right right yeah and so i uh i've always wanted to be able to really figure out how like i said to, to make it more of a cottage industry type thing where i could do more you know the thing is i wanted to be able to know how to use it well enough and get good enough drum sounds where i can look a producer or a songwriter in the eye and go check this out this you know this is what you paid for rather than in the past i kind of like I'm the kind of guy that like, if I get a camera, I, I rip it out of the box. I learn how to kind of turn it on and how to push, you know, record or how to just snap a shot. And then cool, I'm good. And then I don't really worry about the other 90% of all the great stuff this camera does, right? <laughs> That's exactly so, how I am. Yep. Right. So with my studio, I'm like, okay, I know how to record drums. I can EQ them. I can put some reverb or whatever uh, on them uh, and some compression. Great, done. And I would kind of do quote unquote like favor sessions for people or demo things. I never, and I never had to, you know, so what if there's only four mics on the drums? This is just for a demo anyways, or this is just for this punk rock thing. It never had to be kind of for real. And so I kind of, I kind of spent more time or had the time finally to, to 
take it more seriously and take that aspect of what I do to another level, which I've been able to do a lot of over the last year and a half. It's been really, really nice. And, uh, and aside from that, skipping subjects a little bit, but it really opened the, the door for me to do what I always wish I could do, but never have the time to and get scared when I have enough time to, which is just be creative and have fun and write music for the sake of it, you know, just for the heck of it. And with no, uh, guidelines or, or stress or, uh, you know, uh, need to do it. I'm like, I, I, I started recording music for fun back then. I was going, God, this is great. You know why? Because I, I'm recording this song and I'm, I'm not going to kid myself thinking that it's going to be on the radio and I'm not even going to try to get on the radio and I won't even release for something. I'm just going to start recording these songs and make these some like one minute videos on my phone for, for Instagram. So I'll just keep them at one minute and that'll be kind of fun because I won't have to commit to writing a whole song. Right. right. And have all this pressure of you got to do a verse and a chorus and a bridge and an outro and all this stuff. It's like, no, just do a 60 second song with, with no rules and, and just kind of release these things on Instagram just for the heck of it. Right. You make enough money playing drums. You know, I'm not, I'm going to not worry about trying to make money being an artist or a songwriter. And, um, and so as I was releasing these, it's like one of my dearest, oldest friends is Stone Gostard from Pearl Jam. And Stone is also one of my biggest kind of like cheerleaders as far as uh, encouraging me to write more music and record more of my own stuff. He's always been a fan of my songs. And uh, and he had a label years ago, and then it kind of went away for a long, long time. And he, he was rebooting it recently. So Stone called and said, hey, Josh, you know, let's. I've been seeing these things you've been putting up on Instagram. Let's you want you want to make a record? Let me put out your let's just put out a record just for the heck of it. You know, print up like a limited edition of vinyl and have some crazy artwork and do whatever you want. Uh, I'm not gonna uh, give you anything other than I just want this to be 100 percent you and uh turn in the songs and turn in the artwork and we'll do the rest. We'll print them up and put them out there. And I was like, sure, okay. <laughs> and it wasn't like, ooh, okay, I'm gonna make a record now. Maybe I should shop my record to a record company is mean, it's like what record companies right. you know it's like right you know so the fact that you know i would do it for myself to be honest but i number one i wasn't really planning on it number two i didn't plan it or i still don't plan on making any money from it but i just you know my joke now that it's out is i've told friends of mine i go you just go buy my record, not so I could ever see money from it, but just so like I don't have to be completely embarrassed every time I talk to my friend Stone, <laughs> and and he and he has to say to me, Josh, you sold 118 copies of your record. I like I just don't want to he hear that from him, right. you know. Right. So, and well, I, but what's great too is that Stone. Both of us have Stone makes his living being the guitarist in Pearl Jam. He doesn't make a living owning a record label. He does the record label. It's a it's a labor of love and a passion project because that's what he loves to do and he loves helping out other musicians and friends and making records you know so and, and same with me this record wasn't made so i could make a living being a musician I, I you know i make the living being a drummer and playing with all these different people and if i can write songs and have fun from my own good first and foremost i mean that i was going back there fucking riots down the street from me you know last right. you know April or May, Georgia, you know, Long Beach was on curfew and the National sure. Guard was called in about, I don't know, literally about a mile and a half from my house. <laughs> wow. I, I, li I live in between a really fancy area of Long Beach with really expensive homes and then downtown and kind of the ghetto of Long Beach. And I live yeah, yeah. right in between the two. So you can you can make a left 
and go to Yuppieville, or you can make a right and be downtown. And and both within like a three minute drive, right? Either two to three minutes each way. Um, it's funny because where I do live, it, number one, I've lived here since I was a kid, basically, and my wife's from here. So even when I drive through gnarly areas of Long Beach, I don't feel like I'm out of my element or right, go, oh right. man, this is kind of sketchy. It's like, yeah, I belong here. This is where I live. So it doesn't freak me out, you know? Um, but that being said, so yeah, I'd walk out, I was doing session work for people and I'd walk out of my garage, uh, you know, out on my driveway to like throw something in the trash or something. I'd hear all this noise like way off in the distance. I remember one day hearing this, like this sound that just was like, ah! and I asked my son, I go, what does that sound like to you? Because I, I I was pretty sure what it was, but I didn't want to admit it. My friend goes, that sounds like a crowd, like off in the distance, like right. rioting, you know? Yeah. So anyways, I was going back there because I wanted to just like shut off from the real world and go, uh, you know, retreat into creative kind of fantasy land where I can go write music and enjoy myself and forget about what's happening down the street. Right. <laughs> you know, whether it be, you know, the George Floyd uh, protests and and all that and and the political unrest and right. the fucking pandemic. It was like we were getting beat down like so hard by all these different things that were really were making people angry and for some of it for really good reasons, you know. Sure. And uh, you know, but just like just the unrest was unsettling. And I've got a, I got four kids. I'm a dad, and you don't know what to say to your kids when the stuff's happening. It's like so it, it was just writing music for me was such an outlet that everything I did and on my record that I just, that just came out, it's like, and I've got a second one coming out uh, probably in like in the spring. These are all songs I did during the pandemic, but uh, you know, they weren't, uh, I, I guess they were all, what I'm saying is they were all born and all the songs that were recorded come, came from a really natural, honest place without any, preconceived notions or expectations of well if i write a song like this maybe 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 it'll be on the radio or maybe this right. band will cover it or i'll get it on this it's like there's none of that like i just i enjoy the process of being in a studio and writing and recording music and watching your ideas kind of come to fruition and listening back to it and you know uh one of my biggest heroes in the world and and friends is paul westerberg and Paul, Paul's kind of the same boat. And he goes, at one point, buddy, during the pandemic goes, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do like an experiment, like, like, like a Dada kind of art project where every day I go down and I write and record a song. And at the end of the day, I record over the tape. I delete it. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I don't know if he did it. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. If, if there's one person in the world that would do that, it would be Paul Westerberg. Sure. He's the yeah. only guy I know. Most people go, okay, I'm going to do it. But really at the end of the day, they'll make a copy of it and pretend like they erased it, but they've always got a copy of it over here. Well, I was the kind of guy that would erase it and never hear it again. It'd be lost forever. Um, and I don't know if he did it, but I like the concept. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. You know? And uh, so, yeah, once again, uh, back to the, the writing and recording music, it really was, I had zero uh, plans to put it out and too, too lazy too uh, to put it out. I don't like I don't, I don't care enough to really do it. I'm right. just enjoying myself going back there. And also whenever you go back and do something like that, I think when I'm in the studio writing and recording, just going through the motions and practicing that it's only, it only sharpens your skills on every level as a musician, a songwriter, uh, engineer, 
you know, all that stuff. And so it's like, it's never a waste of time. And even if it's music, no one ever hears, you know, maybe it's a couple, you know, you, you might be writing music that's not that great, but you're getting it out of your system to get to the good stuff that's right, a little right. deeper down or right around the corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyways, I know that I've talked on a tangent now for about the last 20 minutes. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. <laughs> it's you know? fascinating. And frankly, you have at least a little bit touched on a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about. So it's a matter of mm-hmm. trying to put them in order. Uh, but sure. I think I think for the album, one of the things that I really enjoy about the album um, is that there are some songs that are one minute songs. They are, they are uh, clean and neat and super well produced. Like the dwarves and the queen song is awesome in and of itself as a one minute song. Mm -hmm. And there are some songs that are, it's almost like you can tell that it was written during a lockdown and the sort of, (laughs) the sort of descent into madness that a lot of us kind of went into and just like the cacophony. And so it's, it's a really fun sort of balance between, I don't want to say real songs because they're all real songs, but uh, songs that are more structured and songs that are like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. What is this? Yeah, exactly. A a straight up like science project. Um, Yeah. I, I, I love doing that too, as far as I went, okay, here's the song, there's guitar, bass, and drums, and there's a vocal melody, and there's obviously a verse and a chorus and, uh, and a hook or whatever. And then there's other things like, it's funny, part of me sort of regrets, I mean, it's so not a big deal at the end of the day, but part of me regrets, like the last song on the record is called Lockdown. And I went, I kind of like, I mean, if anything, my, my quote unquote lockdown song, I think is cooler than like, yeah, I heard like a song that like Dave Grohl and Mick Jagger did. And it was so goofy. It was yeah. like, you know, this really sucks. I'm going right. out of my mind. Stuck right. in my, whatever. I heard like 30 seconds of it once. I went, <laughs> ah, this is, this is the worst. Um, I think you stuck with it more think, than I did. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I thought uh, mine is, mine is a lockdown. Like I said, I regret calling it lockdown because it's, it's, it feels so cliche. But But I like, it really does sound like a little crazy and i think i got my i have my teenage son august screaming in the background and there's really bad like synthesizer horns and uh and uh just randomness you know complete randomness um i think there's another song that was fun that uh wanda is white yes this song it's like uh it's funny i did this podcast thing with stone gossard for, for Pearl Jam Radio like sure. a couple weeks ago. And he goes, yep. yeah, you know, like one is why it's kind of a jazz, a jazz song. And I got or something like that. He doesn't say jazz song, but you go jazz elements. So I stopped him and go, dude, hold on, wait a second. <laughs> Any jazz musician would fucking slit their wrists if they heard us calling this on jazz. Right. You know, the, the, I mean, the hi-hat, it's, it's swung and the hi-hat goes, but almost like a jokingly, like, you know, a character. It's like a caricature of jazz swing, the drum beat, really, really hokey. And then, you know, and the music's just goofy and it says Wanda is white and Judy is black and white about my two dogs, like over and over. <laughs> um, you know, my brother's doing this really bad, like jazzy lounge saxophone stuff. And then anyways, yeah, that stuff was fun to do. And it's funny because I've got this volume two coming out. I don't know when it's going to come out. Realistically, I like to say spring. It's going to be probably late spring or early summer. And I honestly don't feel like I'm just saying this and I'm probably, you know, your eyes will roll when I say it, but it's so good to me. And like 
to me, I, to me, it's a lot better than the first one. And I like when I get in my car, if I'm going to listen to songs and like, I sometimes I'll want to listen to stuff and go, gosh, it still sound good. Or is this yeah. as good as I think it might be, or is this as weird as I think it might be? And I go straight to the, vo- there's a lot of stuff on the volume one that I like a lot, you know, and there's other songs that are kind of like songs, like, uh, you know, headlock, headlock, Nicholas cage and, <laughs> right. and he- he- heavy metal car collection and stuff like that. Um, but the the second record has ah, a pretty good it's a pretty good combination of the two again. There's there's a couple really weird songs on it and some some slow weird songs with no drums, just the guitar and vocal. I don't know if you can call them ballads, but just kind of dark weird songs. And then there's a bunch of rad punk rock songs and kind of rock. There's more to me. There's more rock and roll and punk rock songs that are like you were talking about, like our you know real song right, kind of right. songs on the second on the, on the second record than on the first record and uh there's a song on the second one that i love called uh called somehow i like lou reed is the name of it <laughs> and uh it's so good and it made me laugh because i feel like i say that too because the last songs i wrote are not good and so i'm embarrassed <laughs> to hear them and i can say that they suck so you know some people are like yeah everything i do is good you know it's like no Right. It's, it's not, but you know, I, I, I do, I feel okay saying, God, I really like this song or I really think this is a great song, you know? Right. Um, anyways, they, uh, somebody like Lou Reed is, is a good one. Uh, there's a fuck. There's a, there's a handful of songs I really, really like on it. Um, oh, there's a song called our famous drummer that is about, uh, the vandals some of these songs not a lot but about four or five of them were like started off as vandals demos that were going to maybe be turned into vandal songs but then the vandals sound of their asses waited too long so i'm like fuck it i'm gonna use it for this <laughs> this record right. right and i'll cut it down to 60 seconds but uh you know whatever so anyways there's a song that i'd already written and recorded prior to the pandemic and it was kind of demoed I, I redid some of the lyrics and kind of finished it or resung some of it but basically uh sometimes the vandals will will give each other like little kind of uh writing assignments because we're not just writing about the same old thing like you know oh i'm in love with that girl but i'm a loser and she doesn't like me and poor me right. It, right. you know our, our song subjects are a little more uh out of varied and eclectic sure. and little left to center and so sometimes we're just looking for funny things to write about or interesting things to write about or and joe the bass player said to me a couple years ago goes you know what we got to do because we need to have a song called Our Famous Drummer. And Josh, you need to write it as if we were writing it about you. That's funny. And I'm like, well, I'm like, wait, okay, let me wait, say it again. He's like, <laughs> it's going to be called Our Famous Drummer, but you have to write it as if I was writing it about you. I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, I think I understand what you're saying. Anyways, I wrote the song and I remember playing it for Stone a couple of years ago, Stone Gosser, and he's like, Oh my god, the song's so great! Oh my god, it's so funny. Um, but anyways, that, that that's on volume two, and I'm excited about people hearing that one, it's ridiculous. And uh, anyways, yeah, it's, so, it's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm not to be already on to the next thing, but I'm like, Yeah, I'm ready for people to hear the second album, you know? Yeah, yeah, the, the songs that end up uh, as the quote unquote real formulated songs versus the songs that are sort of the oddballs. Do you, do they all start out from the same place? Like, do you start, did you start a song like headlock, headlock, Nicholas cage, like wanting it to be a concise song versus a song like lockdown, or do you start from all different places and see where it goes? 
I start from all different places. You know, I mean, one song, I'll tell you a song that's one of my favorite songs on the record uh, that I just forgot about, but uh, is on the volume one record, it's a song called Baby's First Beard. And it's like, I was going in that morning to record something else. I forget what I was going to do. And I was like, I was trying to get a guitar sound. And there's no guitar amps on my record. It's all just like direct, right? And it's all like straight into a box and then straight into the Pro Tools rig. And so uh, I'm trying to get a guitar sound that I'd like or that sounds okay to me. And I'm playing something. And this riff, it's not, it's not even hardly a riff. It's just this really dissonant kind of two or three chords going over and over. And I was playing them. I'm going, God, I kind of like this. And it sounded like kind of like a weird... Uh, like mid eighties black flag uh, meets like the butthole surfers. And I was like, God, I really like this. And, and so I kind of whipped it out real quick and, and I wasn't planning on doing it that day, but as I was trying to get a guitar sound, I started playing with this riff. Oh, I like this riff. Oh yeah. The song only has to be 60 seconds. This should be easy. And so I like kind of mapped <laughs> out a thing and then that, you know, that's how that song was done. But there's other songs that are like, you know, half the songs on the record uh, maybe not half but close to half sometimes i like just coming up with song titles first you know because yeah. i like to i like the idea of someone flipping over an album or looking at the list of songs and going oh track number four uh headlock headlock nicholas cage i want to <laughs> hear whatever that song is about what the hell right you know you know, or I want to hear mom buns what the hell is mom buns <laughs> you know track your body is a nightmare i want to hear your body is a nightmare you know literally so every like, song so, on this album has a title like that it's... <laughs> yeah. there, uh, the one that's called margot robbie was originally called sharon tate but then i changed it because it says sharon tate once in it and says margot yeah, right. robbie once in it but um but yeah a lot of the songs some of the songs were 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 named after the song was done or while i was writing the song but some of them before i'd written anything they already had a title um you know uh uh shit i can't even think of what yeah i don't know if there's 20 well, of them. I, I, foaming I meats I came from the thing from maynard right that foaming oh, meat right. That's... <laughs> yeah 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 the foaming meats thing yeah in the beginning i was gonna do a lot more collaborative stuff and then just kind of gave up pretty quick for whatever reason but early on i yeah i was on the phone with maynard and i said let's do a thing i go just talk something or sing something or talk something in a couple different pieces i'm not going to tell you what to, to do just do something you know, like into your phone and just send it to me and i'll turn it into something so he said those uh uh i think it's eight words all together you know and i think he just said it once you know yeah, and, yeah. and i chopped it up and i copied <laughs> it and i sped things up and slowed things down and did that weird yeah that's a cool you know that's a cool like not real song song you know there's that one. Uh, there's the the ghost of Hardy Fox, which is about one half of that band, The Residents. Yeah, Hardy yeah, Fox yeah. was part of The Residents, and he, he died a couple of years ago. And that song sounds like a you know, I'm, sounds like I'm trying to be in The Residents. Um, but yeah, I mean, God, man, I had so much fun doing it, and so much fun not worrying about selling records or ever making a dime from it or any of that stuff. Just doing it, and like I said, same with the volume two. The volume two, man, I'm. So, super stoked about the songs on the volume two record there's some really good stuff there's a there's a song called god gave rock and roll to you and satan wants it back and, <laughs> and that one's fucking that's that's the first song on the second volume 
And it's rad. It sounds, I mean, when I say it's rad, I'm just, I get excited when I record something that I like. That I go, God, this sounds like an awesome butthole surfer song. Man. Right. This sounds so, it sounds so crazy to me and weird and, and dangerous and fucked up. Like, I love it, you know? And uh, there's, a, there's a few things like that on the, 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 the second volume, but I can't, like I said, there's 21 songs on volume two. And I, you know, I, I don't have the list in front of me, but yeah, there's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff, you know, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Will that be on Loose Groove too? Will that be through Stone's record? It though? will. Uh-huh. So this Absolutely. is totally, yeah. totally self-indulgent, but I uh, have been a Pearl Jam fan for, I mean, since they've been a band. Uh, and right. Stone Gossard is one of my, one of my favorite music writers. The way he writes a groove is unlike, he's, I think, anybody else really. Best. And, and so best. my my ears definitely perked up when I found out that this was on Loose Groove because I followed Loose Groove because of the Stone Gossard thing in the early 90s. And then obviously they went away for a while, but they put out a lot of really good albums um, <laughs> up until now. <laughs> that's not what i you're like you're like this doesn't sound like pro jam what the fuck no, is this no they put out the first queens of the stone age album i know weapon you of know choice funny man the first queens of the stone age record stone was trying to play it for me and for whatever reason i wasn't into hearing it i'd never heard of them i mean they were a brand new band no one knew who the hell they were right. they were nobodies right one of the guys from caius is all i heard right you know? okay great you know and uh, and my friend Nick that you played in the Dwarves for a little while is now back in the Dwarves. Nick Oliveri, sure. who's playing bass. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. And uh, so I was like, no, you gotta hear this band. And I don't know why I was blowing him off because I came back to him later. And said, man, I, I'll eat my words, but I mean, the Queens became one of my favorite bands. Um, but in the very beginning, he was like trying to play it for me. I was like, nah, I'm not into it. And then I went to go to the a place it's now called the Avalon, but for 25 years, it was called the palace in LA, like a 1500 seat place right across from Capitol records in Hollywood. And, uh, I went, I went to go see ween, you know, who are my friends. Sure. I'm a big ween fan. And, uh, Oh man, on volume two, there's a record. <laughs> now that I think about it, there's a song <laughs> called, uh, uh, what the hell's the name of it? I think it's just called waste wasted with the ween is the name of it but it's a, it's a true story about me going to record with them back in 2002 and 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 you know doing what you think you do in a sure. recording with me, which is drink and take drugs and then get sick and throw up all over the place <laughs> um well i gotta i gotta let one of my poodles in here one sure. of my poodles is knocking on the door hi wanda um anyways uh so i go see ween at the palace and I remember seeing a friend of mine and it goes, uh, there was like a bar upstairs. We were just kind of sitting outside. It's like an indoor outdoor place. You can go up and like have a cigarette or something. And I'm up there and my, my friend Rob comes up and goes, dude, you're missing the opening band. I'm like, who's the opening band? Like I don't watch opening bands. Uh, you know, and he goes, Oh, it's uh Queens of the stone age, man. It's the guys from Caius. I was like, Ugh. I'm like, Oh, this guy's stones put their record out. Like nah, whatever. I'll see it later. I don't now. No, I'm, I'm, I'm busy having a beer, you know, right. whatever. I, so I had no interest. It's so funny. And I love that record now. Here we are 20 years later. Right. It's like, you know, they made such great records. That first record, man, Avon and regular John. And oh God, it's so cool. I really like that record a lot. But, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Stone Gossard, man. I mean, Stone and I have been, we met in 93. I was going to ask, and, where did that connection come from? Well, I, uh, I met Stone through 
my friend Robbie, my friend that was the guitar tech for the Chili Peppers, who worked for, he used to work for Hillel Slovak back when the Chili Peppers oh, were wow. in a van. Yeah. And then he worked for John Frusciante when John joined the band when he was 18. And Robbie is an old friend of mine from Long Beach. We actually lived together for a while in Long Beach years ago. And uh, anyways, Robbie had met Pearl Jam out on tour and Pearl Jam like exploded around this time. And what was funny is in the very beginning, I wasn't a Pearl Jam fan mm. and, um, and it took me a little bit. And what happened was they played a show uh, in, in India, which is now the, where Coachella is held, but this is before Coachella, this is 90, summer 93. And, uh, and I went to go, Robbie took me out. Robbie's like, Oh man, you got to meet stone. He's the nicest guy, the guitar player in the project. Such a cool guy. You know, we like, we, we met and hung out on the Lollapalooza last summer or whatever, when the peppers and Pearl Jam were oh, right. together yeah. or something, even if they went on the same Lollapalooza, there was a time that Pearl no, Jam they were. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and Pearl Jam opened up. I saw Pearl Jam. I might not have even watched them, dude. You know what show I saw at the at the? It was either the Forum or the LA Sports Arena. Was a show. It was uh, the Chili Peppers were headlining, and we were all there to see the Chili Peppers. So this was probably like '91, maybe. Mm. And the opening bands—they were both about to explode. And, and matter of fact, I remember at the time going, "This is crazy." Those both these bands are getting really popular right now. It's crazy that both the opening bands are like considered really cool. It was Pearl Jam, Nirvana, and the Chili Peppers in LA, and it wasn't it wasn't a uh, festival. Yeah, just yeah, the yeah. opening bands happened to be that band Nirvana and these other guys from Seattle Pearl Jam. I, I want like, to say wow, that night, tour right? came here. I want to say they play. I live in the Boston area, and I want to say I was okay. just too young at the time, but I want to say they played some kind of weird places up here like umass lowell or somewhere like that that but Maybe. i'm pretty sure that tour came here yeah very possible yeah so anyways uh so i go see him uh out in india i met stone and he was really cool and and we, we you know hit it off and probably about less than a year later i'm almost positive it was 94 uh i Got home. I'd been out of town recording a record with Julianna Hatfield in Boston, actually. Sure. At the old. Did you, are you from Boston? I live just outside Boston, but I've lived here my whole life. I'm 42. Okay. Now. Yeah. There used to be a, uh, I don't think it's there anymore, but a legendary studio, Ford Apache. In yeah. Cambridge. Sure. Yeah. You know? And uh, anyways, uh, I made a record. Uh, I made a few records there, but the first time I recorded there was with Juliana, and I think it was 94. And when I came home, uh, my girlfriend at the time goes, Hey, uh, you know, this is before email and cell phones. You had to call someone's home phone <laughs> right. and leave a right. message or, you know, leave a message with whoever answered the phone. And, uh, I get home, my girlfriend goes, uh, Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam called here looking for you. I was like, Oh, <laughs> was like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. I wonder what he wants, you know? And I called him and he goes, listen, you know, we just let our drummer go. They just let, let Dave Aberziz go. Yep. And, uh, they said, we're going to audition drummers. And I'm, it, I'm curious if you would be into coming up and auditioning for the band. And the first thing out of my mouth was, why isn't Jack Irons your drummer? Oh, that's funny. Meaning, because, and Stone's like, well, I go, dude, come on. He's your drummer. Let's right. see, why are you guys, why are you seeing anybody else? So you go, because, you know, you could, other people that I've told the story to go, well, why'd you say that? I go, well, it was real obvious to me in the way that it's Ed's best friend, basically. Right. Like they, were, they were super tight around that time. Super tight. Uh, and let's not forget that he's responsible for Pearl Jam being a band. Right. He's the whole he reason Ed. that Ed even had the tape. Yeah. Yeah. 
he introduced Ed to Jeff and Stone. Okay, so he's responsible for them being a band. Uh, he's Ed's best friend. Uh, he's a really cool drummer, and he's not doing anything right now. So how come he's not in the band? That was, the, you know, I mean, and I was nice about it, but yeah. Stone goes, yeah, I know. And he goes, we're being diplomatic about it. We, we're, we're each picking a guy. So Jeff gets to pick a guy. Mike gets to pick his guy. Ed's picking a guy, and I'm picking a guy. And Stone's like, I'd like you to be my guy. I was like, fuck, cool. Wow. And so I said, I'll come up there. And and I went up to Seattle, and Stone picked me up at the at the airport in his Volvo wagon. And, you know, we, uh, and, you know, he was like, you know, you can stay. We'll put you up in a hotel. Um, he goes, I live by myself and have, uh, you know, a house in this kind of, you know, just a regular kind of modest, like three bedroom home. The kids walking past it to go to school, just a regular little nice neighborhood in Seattle. Um, he goes, I, I, I got a house with a couple spare bedrooms and we rehearse in the basement. That's where the gear is. And we'll be playing. So he goes, you're welcome to stay there. And it's funny because most of the time, around that time or still if, if i give given that option especially if i don't know the person well at all i'm like yeah i'll do the hotel yeah um but if someone told me it's like oh yeah sure i'll stay at your house and <laughs> we ended up just kind of bonding and becoming buddies like really quick and we got along great and the whole time i was there i was like yeah this is fun but we know what's going to happen whatever right. my attitude right. i was like right it's cool they had me but come on, come on you guys you know and of course what a surprise jack Ives yeah right got the job it's like fuck you could have you know i told you that right uh, anyways but the fact is stone and i became good buddies uh that during that time and because of that experience and and you know i consider him one of my closest friends and i mean i and not like oh yeah he's one of my close friends like i mean top five or six friends of mine like yeah, close yeah. that guy like I always go, could I call him in the middle of the night and have him bail me out of jail and keep it a secret from <laughs> everyone I know? Right. I could call, I could call him and have me and, and feel fine at three in the morning saying you got to come get me out of jail. Right. You know what I mean, like, yeah, he's 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 a good good friend and I love him and and he's just he's I mean he's so unassuming too. I mean I've I've always been I don't know if it's the punk rock part of me, um, yeah, yeah. but it's like you know I don't, I don't like. I mean, I guess it'd be silly for me to say I don't like flashy. There's some people that are very flashy that I like, but it's like just show off bullshit rock star stuff. I've never liked it, you know. Right. And 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 Stone's the fucking opposite of that. I mean, come on, it's like you know, it's drives a Prius and <laughs> right. dresses right. normal and right. doesn't look like the fuck. He doesn't wear rock and roll costumes. He wore uh, Crocs on stage once. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, that's I know that there's a story about him getting shit from the other guys for that too. That's, that's whatever. He's the best. Right. You know, man, I, I I took him to a gig once at the whiskey, uh, probably fuck, probably about 20 years ago. It's probably like the early to late 90s, early 2000s. And he and I uh were gonna go to a friend of mine's home studio the next day and like write and record some songs and just for fun. And he was in town for a couple of days and we go see this band. And actually it's a funny story because the, the band playing that night was a band called Edna Swap. And uh, Edna Swap, uh, the guitar player in the band, one of the two guitar players is a guy that's now been in McCartney's band for like 20 years. His name is oh, Rusty wow. Anderson. And so Rusty Anderson 
uh, is up on the balcony. I'm sitting with Stone and Stone, you know, he'd cut his hair and they were trying to not be in any videos and kind of they were trying to lay low because they kind of came on so strong on that first album. And there was kind of almost like a backlash sure. that yeah. they kind of like, OK, let's let's take ourselves out of the public eye as much as we can. Right. So they weren't doing a lot of press and and uh anyways i'm standing up on the balcony watching this band and i i want to say it was rusty not to throw him out of the box i mean it's just a funny story uh rusty the, uh who who we're watching the band and i introduced him to stone and and they meet and rusty has no idea who he is and stone like leans over to me at one point and we're watching this band he goes man watch this band but makes i wish we were in the studio right now like we gotta wait till noon tomorrow to record i want to go play and rusty goes oh you you play you play music <laughs> my friend right or just down <laughs> he's like yeah he goes oh cool and i'm going oh god because now it's the part that's uncomfortable when he goes what right. band are you in right and then he says it and he feels funny and then the other guy's embarrassed that he didn't recognize you know whatever it's, oh what's your band called he's like oh it's called pearl jam <laughs> 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 you know it's so funny you know i used to go to like i've been to music stores with stone in seattle where the guy behind the counter is like hold on man hold on you know he's on the phone with his girlfriend yeah, yeah. just give me a second you know <laughs> like he's like hey babe we gotta give the phone some loser wants to buy something from me it's like this is the fucking time you know this right. is the, the seattle music scene this guy right here you know? right but yeah he's i i can go on and on about stone he's he's just so great and i'm so proud of everything he's done with this band because that's the other thing. When Pearl Jam came out, I wasn't a Pearl Jam fan. Right. You know, I, I really wasn't. And it, it it took a while to kind of grow on me. And then me getting off my high horse about certain things and growing up a little bit and, and becoming closer and closer to him over the years. But it's like, you know, I was telling a mutual friend of his and mine the other day that I was, I watched the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Yeah. Uh, embarrassingly enough, I'll say, I think months after it happened, I didn't even see like when it went on live or the week it happened, I didn't even notice or I just figured they were already in the rock and roll hall of fame anyways. Like they had right. all that shit already. Um, but I was on some YouTube thing, bored on a day off, and I'll remember it where it was in Barcelona, Spain. It's probably like in 2017 or 18. I'm on tour sting. And I remember watching it and going, Holy shit, this is Stone's band. Like Stone. Yeah. Pearl Jam, man, they're, they've done some damage, man. You yeah. know, I mean, like they've really created such an incredible thing. And they David Letterman like inducts them, and then they right. show this video montage thing. And then Stone's the first one with the microphone, and I just got like all emotional, like choked up. I'm like, fuck, this is incredible. Like it's just so like I felt like a like a parent or like yeah. beaming with pride, not because. I know the guy in the famous band, but just Stone, like what he's done with his band and done on his own terms and completely honestly and and uh, being a nice guy about it, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just he's he's every, he's just done it right. You're one of the few guys that have been able to do it right and kind of like, you know, uh, he continues to be such a kind of. I call him like, you know, the, 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 he's like the musical ambassador of the Northwest, like he's such a like philanthropist within the yeah. music scene and the Seattle scene. And, uh, yeah, shit. I, I mean, because I'm not like gushing now, but it's, yeah, he's the best. He's not the best. to turn it into the, the Stone Gossard album uh, hour, although, although yeah. that would certainly be fine with me. Yeah, um, why not? I think that, so Dying Scene, which is the site that this is for, is obviously a punk rock website, and that's sort of what, right. our, what our roots are in. But I credit that band for being the reason that I got as into punk rock as I was at such an early age. Like I, 
I was introduced to Pearl Jam and I was probably 11 or 12 or whatever, which is kind of like that, that critical time in your music uh, development. And they, they were just like that band, but because they were into bands like the clash and public image limited and bad religion and social distortion, and like, because they would name drop Fugazi, then that's what got me to listen to all of that music. And that was sort of what, brought me into actually like caring about music and caring about the musicians who actually make the music. So even though they're not a quintessential punk rock band, I think that, I mean, Pearl Jam is the reason that I listen to punk rock. And I had the occasion because I had Jeff Ament on this show uh, a couple months ago and I had the chance to tell him that, and that was a pretty awesome. Moment. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I, uh, Jeff's super cool. I remember when on his like induction speech, he's like, you know, he's cool with like thanks. I, a few of the guys might have done this, but I just remember because he had mentioned Devo, who I've played with for 25 sure. years. But Jeff, you know, he goes, I want to thank all the bands that, you know, influence us that aren't in the Hall of Fame. You know, he mentioned X, who I love, yeah. who are old, old friends. X, so and so, Gang of Four, and Devo. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Right yeah. on, Jeff. Um, I'm actually going to see Bad Religion play in about three hours. Yeah, I think I know a few people that'll be at that show. That's the rescheduled show, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're playing tonight, tomorrow night, so I'm going to go tonight. My friends, the Alkaline Trio, are also playing. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that tour was here, well, prior to them shutting down for COVID. They were here just before that, I think, maybe oh, September. Cool. Yeah. Was was Alkaline Trio with them that night, that night yeah. as well? Yeah, yep. Oh, cool. Okay, nice. Uh, so, so, again, we can probably talk about stone all day, but uh, so that we can move forward a little bit into the Josh freeze thing uh, <laughs> as, as someone who's been in the music industry forever and has played with literally everybody. Um, do you still get, for lack of a better term, do you still get Oh shit moments? Like when you're, whether it's playing the Olympics or Coachella, like you've done all of the things. So do you still oh, yeah. get moments where you're like, Holy shit, I can't believe we're doing this sure yeah absolutely uh you know i i wish i could say they happen more often than they do (laughs) but that's the thing the fact that they still can happen is really really great you know and uh uh and i have to believe that that even even getting back out there in front of people after however long you were off that's got to be sort of one of those things at least it means you're a little bit back to normal yeah you know it's funny though it's like the first I've been the longest I've ever in my life been, as I say, like on the ground without ever flying once was between March, 2020. And I guess it was like May, 2021. Sure. It was 14 months. I never in my life, even when I was a kid and an infant, we, we'd fly back and visit relatives in Minnesota once or twice a year. So I'd never been over a year of not being on a plane. And in recent years, I sometimes fly every day for right. weeks at a time. Uh, so I went to fly to New York, not to play an official gig, but to do one of those like stings playing a show on a stage with lights, but no audience, but cameramen that have yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. live stream. Yeah. Yeah. One of those things. So yeah, we're on a stage, we're playing, but it's still not a real gig, you know? Right. But my point is going to LAX and flying to New York, similar to when I played my first show in front of people, which was august 7th in denver it was the vandals and pennywise sure uh, played together 
but both the playing in front of people and the going like okay when i flew to new york i go to lax wow first time to lax in 14 months and i got the wow there's gonna be a trip and after about 10 seconds i felt like not a day had gone by since i was really wow and I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, fucking LAX. Great. Um, <laughs> and I got to New York. Oh, I'm going to be in New York. And after a day, I was like, I miss my family. I want to go home. I don't yeah, want to be yeah. here. Um, and the, the show, the Vandals Pennywise gig, I think that if it had been five years since I played in front of people or five years since I've been through an airport, it'd be really weird. But I've done so much of A, playing in front of people and B, traveling that in fact, it had been a year, basically didn't it wasn't that weird they didn't seem like and uh, you, and maybe because it's so familiar in a good way kind of like riding a bike you're like oh yeah this again you know right right but it wasn't like it wasn't like holy shit a crowd it was like yeah okay cool a crowd I, yeah it was just the i feel like it was just the other day i was playing in front of a crowd so yeah, yeah. It, it, it it wasn't long enough to really trip me out now this the 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 symbolism of being able to be back and playing again was great you know the fact that okay this this is symbolic for these reasons uh that felt good you know right. but it wasn't like oh yeah the rush of the crowd finally is like okay right i remember this you know it, it, it was just kind of like a, it i don't i don't want this to sound bad but it was almost like you know another day at the office kind of thing. right it's right kind of like, yeah this is what i do you know but it was like oh my god it was like yeah okay cool but it tripped me the the first thing that tripped me out was that that lax thing where i was going man i can't wait to go to the airport it's gonna be so weird pulling up there and i was like i said after 10 seconds i was like okay yeah right like yeah. <laughs> you know muscle <laughs> memory yeah 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 so this is uh, this is a thing I'm always sort of fascinated with. You mentioned before you've got four kids, uh, and I've got a 13 year old myself. She'll be 14 in a couple of weeks. But um, uh-huh. and when I tell her who I'm talking to or taking pictures of if I'm shooting a show or whatever, uh, sometimes she's sort of interested. But then now that she is a teenager and she knows a little bit more popular music, so. I had to sort of scroll through the list and say, oh, this is who Josh is. And she knows Scott Shifflett a little bit because she's seen face-to-face a bunch of times. Uh, and so right. she knows the Viva Death connection, but then had to go, okay, so he played with Weezer. So she knows Weezer. She's uh, recorded with Paramore and played with them. And she knows those bit, like, right. so the the short way of asking this is, who is it for you, for your kids that they sort of hang their hat on uh, about that oh my dad has played with x y and z right. or, do, or do they even care because uh, a lot of rock and roll guys like their kids don't necessarily care well uh i will say that my the one that used to cry, make me laugh was my oldest son who's now god in february he'll be 21 wow. uh when he was oh, i don't know seven or eight or nine or ten I'd see him do this and it used to make me laugh. It was cute. It was cute, but I was also kind of roll my eyes and going, God, you know, like, I, okay, I get it. Is uh, he would act like, you know, yeah, like no big deal because it is no big deal. I'm right. his dad. And it's not, you know, he doesn't look at me in any other light than I'm just his dad. And, um, but then I remember it started, ha- it would happen once in a while. We'd be, out, we'd be out and we'd be in a restaurant and we'd be in a booth sitting somewhere and if the best part is the kids that were his age probably had no idea who the hell he's talking about yeah because they're all you know for old people but right but he uh he he would kind of like they'd sit down behind him and he kind of like 
sort of go to the side so they could kind of hear him. And, and he'd go, Hey dad, uh, so when's the next time you're going to play with Weezer or Nine Inch <laughs> yeah, yeah. or, or Diva or Guns N' Roses? You still right. talk to Axel. I'm like, I'm like, Hunter, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I get it. He's eight years old. He's trying to look cool in front of the 12 year old kids sure. sat down behind us, see if they'll, you know, cock their ear or their perk their interest up into like right. how cool we are. But, um, that used to make me laugh. They do that. Uh, my daughter, my 13 year old daughter loves coming home and telling me, uh, and my, oh, my son's, this would happen with sometimes too. My daughter has a, see, either a math teacher or a science teacher right now in middle school that, uh, that my daughter goes, oh, I walked in you know, the first day of school and the teacher, you know, he plays music kind of quietly when you're walking in and, you know, he was playing Devo. And I told him that my dad's played drums with Devo for 25 years. And he, he just, he can't believe it. He can't believe <laughs> he played with He's like, you know, and so things like that, my, my daughter, well, you know, she'll kind of be with pride. Like, isn't that cool? Like, yeah, my dad plays Devo. Right. Or, you know, my, 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 my teachers can't believe that I was hanging out with Sting last night with, with, with you and Sting at that show. I told him I, you know, anyways, things like that, that were the people will kind of look at them differently. Like, whoa, are you serious? They think it's normal. And then they go, oh, maybe it's not normal. Maybe it's really special. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I will say that they like, luckily the bands I tend to spend time with, like meaning I record with lots of bands and I've got right. lots of bands that aren't that great or not that interesting, or I understand why my kids wouldn't like them. But most of the stuff, if they're going to go see me play drums with someone, it's someone I'm on tour with. So it means it's someone that I, it's either a band I'm heavily uh, invested in or someone that, something that I really, really like. Because I'm not going to go on tour or something unless I really like it or have some other interest in it other than just being a session drummer, right? Right. So they're kind of too young to remember like all the perfect circle gigs they used to do. You know what I mean? Um, but starting with my, my son and then my second son, they would come see nine inch nail shows, but my kids really, they love seeing the vandals. They love going to Devo shows, even though the Devo shows are few and far between, but we played a handful of gigs a couple months ago and my kids like listening to Devo. Um, they like Devo, they like the vandals, uh, you know, they, they like going when they come see me play with sting, even though it's a little more adult Right. And maybe not as fun as a Vandals or Devo show. Uh, if you're, you know, <clears throat> 15 years old, the thing is, we'll be playing and they'll be like, holy shit. They'll hear like every breath you take. They're like, yeah, that's a song we hear whenever we're at the grocery store right. or, or walking down the street or at a sporting event. You hear this or that or that song or that like singing so many classic, just huge mega universal mega hits right. that, uh, you can't you know they're like of course they know roxanne a message in a bottle or you know i mean yeah, that stuff where it's just like they hear it everywhere so that's kind of fun for them you know they, they like that they like you know when they're able to kind of like hear it outside of just our house when they right, go right, on right. the street and they hear the stuff you know they think that's cool but i always joke that my kids favorite thing about coming to the gig is just to be able to like you know, while all the adults are talking, they can like go up to those bowls that are sitting backstage full of gummy bears and M&Ms <laughs> and like load their pockets with shit, you know, right. just like, plus they go to the shows and all the adults are cooler than they're, the adults on our block or at school. You know, the adults have, some of them have funny colored hair yeah, right. and some of them don't mind if you say a bad word, you know, they're okay <laughs> with it. And like, oh, right. this is really cool. 
Right. Or, hey, you know, every time, every time me or my wife turn around, they're going, here, take more candy. Don't tell your dad. Here, take another candy bar. You know, like, sure. They're all like kind of troublemakers. There's, 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 a, there's a bit of uh, arrest development, you know, going around in those backstage scenarios sometimes. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's fun. For, it's a little more color, colorful of a uh, setting than, say, you know, the office or. Yeah, whatever, right. You know. Which one of those circles? do you get most recognized from, from your time in? Because I, to me, there's like, there's like four real sort of different overlapping, sure, but almost different circles of bands that you've been associated with. There's like the Devo thing. There's the staying thing. Those are two different sort of audiences. There's the more yeah. hard rock, the perfect circle, nine inch nails, guns and roses thing. And then, but yeah. be, because for those of us that have been in the punk rock scene forever, it's, it's still Josh from the Vandals doing all of that stuff. Like, <laughs> like Josh from the Vandals <laughs> plays with Sting. So, but which, like, which do you feel like you get more well, recognized from, or does it, does it not even factor in? I mean, even though you could say, okay, I'm not the original drummer in the Vandals, but I've been in the Vandals for 30 years. Well, sure. you know, I'm 42. And, and so, so for, to me, yeah. you're the original drummer from the Vandals. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Um, and, and I feel that way because we've, I've been in the band since I was 16 years old or 17 right. years old, you know, and, and we've been able to sustain this career because really the long and short of it is, the Vandals, we've never made a living just being in the Vandals. Everyone's kind of had to have their other jobs, right? So, but the fact that the Vandals are kind of, you know, on an underground level of a, a semi-legendary punk band of if having the sure. coolest name, coolest name in rock if, for nothing else. But, um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, we rehearsed last night. We're doing a Christmas show a week from Saturday sure. in Anaheim. Yep. And we rehearsed last night. And it's funny, I came home from, we hadn't played in three months and that one gig we did in Denver was the only time we played all year. Right. Um, and so I came home from rehearsal last night and my wife uh, did something she rarely does, which was actually asked me how rehearsal was. She goes, how was rehearsal? And, uh, and I go, you know what? I go, it kind of sucked, but we had a really good time and we had to get the one we were going to rehearse twice. We, we were going to rehearse twice next week and, and then do the gig. Right. And I said, Let's do one rehearsal because I go to town. I'm out of town next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then when I get back, we rehearse Wednesday and Friday. I said, I said, let's do one rehearsal like sometime this week. Let's just get together and like kind of like knock the dust off of some of these Christmas songs and kind of play through them again. So we had a great time last night, but I didn't play that great. We didn't play that great, <laughs> but we kind of like we kind of trudged our way through the shit. And now when we get together next Wednesday night, I think it's going to be a lot better. You know what I mean, like, well, it's like when you go to the gym, if you take a break from going to the gym for a while, yeah. your first time back is going to suck. And now all the weights are going to yeah, be like, extra heavy. And <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's kind of how last night was. But it's funny because I'm like, you know, usually when she says, how was the show? It's like shows are always luckily for me, like pretty consistently good. Once in a while, there's a really once in a while, there's a bad gig. And once in a while, there's an unbelievable gig. But 95 percent of the time, they're all good. You know what I mean? And and I'm not complaining. And I'm not saying it's boring. I'm just saying, you know, and I feel lucky that I'm in situations where the band, you know, Sting's band plays really good every night. It's never yeah. like, wow, that right. sucked. There's never a that sucked moment. And there's rare, rarely a that was an amazing moment because you're just kind of sick of the way you play anyways. It's all, it all just kind of sounds the same. You know, you're like, oh, right. whatever. You know, you're right. bored with yourself or bored with your situation. But yeah, last night I was like, well, we had a really good time, but was it good? No, it kind of <laughs> wasn't good. But 
I go, next week's going to be pretty good. I bet. Watch, you know, right. we had to, we had, we had to get the one shitty one out of the way. <laughs> but, but for me, it's like the Vandals has always kind of been like a home base for me. And I, I, I can, uh, like I said, not only can we, we've been a band for this long because we've never had a lot riding on it where some bands like, man, if we don't finish this record and get out in time and it's not, if we don't have a hit on this next record, I'm going to have to, you know, move back home or I'm going to have to go get a day job. Or I'm gonna, that's never been that with the Vandals. It's like, we already all have day jobs. Right. As I play with all these other artists. Right. So it's like, there's never been enough writing on it on a, for in a heavy economical way to where it really like kind of fucks up the dynamic of our friendship or, or things like that. And I mean, my favorite, line, my favorite line that Joe Escalante says is when people say, God, the fans, you guys have been a band for so long. How, how have you managed to keep a career going this long with the same four guys? Meaning it's been the same four guys for 30 years. Right. Sure. And, and Joe goes, Oh, the secret is, uh, never ever have a band meeting <laughs> <laughs> and, and as as people are laughing and first time i heard his, his follow-up to that he goes he goes that's where bands break up yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's funny and part of that also is you know you can say well just like any other family there's you know there's plenty of like dysfunctions and well we just don't talk about that you know when we get together or yeah that happens i think sometimes but we just see past that part of whatever you know like whatever not that the vandals doesn't have a bunch of weird skeletons in their closet or anything but it's like you know um certain things we just settle for we realize yeah that's just the way it works and that's yeah, yeah, not right. worried about, you know and there's not enough reason to like you know i i you know, there's a song i forget which one there's a couple songs where i look at the songwriting and go God, it's weird because I'll look, I'll look at the credits and go, I don't remember co-writing uh, that song. But then on the song idea for a movie, like my name's not on it. I'm pretty sure I wrote the music. For that. Like, <laughs> but it's like, okay, well, what's 50% of nothing? Yeah, yeah right, <laughs> you know, right, like, right. right. You know, okay. So maybe I'll be getting another check for $117 once a year. <laughs> it, might, right. like, ah, do I, I, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, now if we were selling millions of copies, I'd be like, Hey man, you got to add my name to the publishing for that one. Cause you know, we're moving all these huge units and I could, I could buy another house, you know, right, but no, right. it's, it's, it's not that level and continuing to play in the bandles. And the fact they've had an open, I would have been gone a long time ago if they didn't have such a, uh, open door policy with me. You know what I mean? Which is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you're our guy. And if you can't make it, cause you're off playing with sting, Hey, what are we going to do? Uh, fire you <laughs> like, right. no you know and uh and so i'm always able to come back and and the other thing is you know i like being able to continue to do it because then i i joke around like i can go out and play with all the all the katie perry's right in the, and 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 you know melissa etheridge's in the world and still go yeah but you know what not not to throw i actually like katie and melissa those are bad references but i can go make as many uh, pop records as I want, or, sure. you know, you know, and then go, yeah, but guess what? I still play in the Vandals. I'm so. still Josh from the Vandals. <laughs> so fuck you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I got that weird. And I'll be in situations where someone will come up to me either at a gig or even weirder, like at some sting event or something where someone will come up and go, dude, I'm a huge Vandals fan. Like they, they, they don't go, I'm a huge sting fan. They don't yeah, go yeah. to me and tell me how much they like sting. You know, or even right. Nine Inch Nails. They might come up to me. I, I love the time I spent with Nine Inch Nails. I got more respect for Trent Reznor than almost anyone else in the music business. But what I mean is that that's such his thing. And I didn't grow up being 
the guy in Nine Inch Nails that the time I spend with him, I fucking love. And and yeah, I'll have people come up to me and go, man, I love those Nine Inch Nails drum cams you put up. Or man, I saw you on the uh, with Teeth Tour in Atlanta. It was so good. And that's always nice to hear. But yeah, it always kind of comes back to the Vandals thing. It's just so funny, you know? Right. You know, I, I wish we'd make a, we're, we're talking about finally maybe making a record, but we, I will, I can't tell you what it is, but we have something, of course, in plastic vandals, uh, fashion. It, it's something that if we pull it off, if, <laughs> if we could do it the way we're trying to do it, possibly it would be, I don't know if revolutionary would be the word, but it would be something, it'd be something no one's ever done before yeah, with yeah. a record. And as I know, already your head's going, uh, and I don't want to tell you what it is. Yeah, you I think I, I think it will happen. We've been working on the possibility of getting together with the right, put it this way, there's a team involved outside of just us that'd be involved in making the record. And we're trying to figure out how to do it. But uh, if it ends up happening, if it doesn't end up happening one day, I'll tell you if we ever meet or talk again. We go, what was that thing you were talking about back in 2021? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it's, it's going to be interesting if we can pull it off. And if it happens, it'll be... People go, oh, maybe that's why these guys have taken 15 years to put out another record. Because this is actually something special and unique. They're not just making a record. It's yeah, something yeah. a little different. So we'll see. See, now we'll my see. brain's going to be working. So I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, I don't want to take up too much of your evening. I realize we've blown through like an hour and a half at this point. And I know you've got oh, a punk, punk rock show to go to. Uh, I do. I, and, and, and even more than that, there's... Uh, my wife who last night and today is like, okay, well, you're here tonight, tomorrow night, you're going to go up to that show. Like yeah, I have yeah. to go up. I got to, meaning I've got to go hang out with my kids for a couple hours before I leave. <laughs> you're allowed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, so I'll do sort of a, a closing thing. I'll put links to all of the, um, where people can buy uh, the in a minute album or just a minute album. I'll yeah, put links yeah. to your website and all the crazy merch things you have, which, uh, is one of the things that I love about you is all those <laughs> the stuff uh, that you pull out for for all of that is fun. So uh, I'll put links to all of this. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a long time and probably could have talked for a lot longer. Uh, but this is this is really fun. yeah yeah awesome. No, I I, I had a great time doing it and um, and uh, yeah yeah I'll look forward to meeting you at a gig at some point. Come say hi if you see me walking around somewhere and, and, and maybe by that time the special vandals album will be out we can laugh about it 